I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you? Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everyone. It's another episode of the podcast. It's the boys, the I Miss You Men. I'm Dylan. He's Lonnie. Lonnie, how are you today, my friend? I'm pretty well, Dylan. Pretty damn well. How are you doing? That's good. I'm doing fantastic, mate, because I love talking to you doing this podcast, but I want to know what it's about, if you please. Oh, man. This podcast is a journey through life, pop culture, everything in between, one of us takes the other one by the hand and takes them through some sort of adventure around those topics. Generally, Absolutely. end up somewhere about around movies, don't we? Let's face it. We we can do. We are we are want to dip in that pool every now and again. And uh, you know what? Let's do that again, Lonnie. Because I've always been curious, and uh, I wanted to put you through a little torturous task this week. <laughs> I wanted your definitive. Right now, in the year of our Lord, 2022, your top 10 favourite movies ever, Lonnie. And I'll and, also give mine too. And did this quest to torture me end up torturing yourself, Dylan? Yeah, it was a bit rough. I didn't, I didn't think it would be this hard, to be honest. Yeah, it's that thing like, um, you want, want revenge, dig two graves. This is you. Wanted to torture me, ended up torturing yourself. Definitely a, definitely a kamikaze topic we picked today, but you know what? I, I've, I've settled on my top 10, and I right. believe you have as well. I've got a top 10 here. I, what I've, My process here, Dylan, I wrote down lots of movies that I really like. I ended up with a big list, tw- like 20-odd, 25-odd. Oh, I found that okay. to be easy. I found my top five to be quite easy. I found the six to ten really difficult because you got to really make hard choices, then, haven't you? That's well, I disagree because my top five was probably the hardest. Really? I mean, my one I know, but mm-hmm. basically ten to two, mate. I struggled with. Wow. Okay. So, how did you go about picking your movies? How did you go about picking your top ten, mate? Well, I found it quite difficult because you can't Google it. You can Google. You can Google good movies. You can Google Oscar-winning movies. You can't Google my own favorite movies. That's in your own head. Uh, and until now, Lonnie. Until now. Until I've got a record now, and I'll put it on the website somewhere, and then I can just what I what I say again. Yeah, I got it there. What what are Lonnie's top ten favorite yeah. movies? That's right. And you know I was finding it difficult to make the distinction between something that's my favorite and something that's like just a really good movie that I respect and know that's a great film. But what's the distinction? How do I get it? So I kind of thinking there's that whole thing about, you know, you're on a desert island, you can take five films with you, or same sort of, I guess, same sort of concept is, you know, for whatever reason, you're cursed to only watch two or three movies the rest of your life. What do you pick sort of thing? 
that's a slightly different question though, isn't it? I think because you might pick three movies that are varying genres, for example, if you only had three to watch the rest of your life. So it's not quite the question you put to me, mm. is it? No, no, I said your top 10 favourites. Basically how I went about I did something similar to yourself. Mm-hmm. I'd made a big list of movies I love. Mm-hmm. And then basically what I thought is if someone asked me if I wanted to watch that movie right now, would I be game to drop everything mm-hmm. and watch that right now? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how I did my top 10. Oh, that's a good. And what I, what I came down to was kind of the ones that I've had some sort of emotional connection to that just sort of speak to me somehow, which... I guess getting to the same sort of idea. So it's funny. It, and on one hand, it's like, it's easy. You're like, what do you like? What movie do you like? Just say it. You know, list it out. But then at the same time, it's hard to really, when you start thinking about it, it becomes difficult because I've got lots on this list still that I love and I might do the same with you, but favorite? I don't know. It becomes more difficult. Well, we'll see how we go, Lonnie. So what we decided we we're going to do is we're going to go through both of our numbers as we go. So we'll go mm-hmm. your 10, my 10, your 10, my 10, your 9, my 9, you know, that kind yeah, of that stuff. That sounds good we to get me. To the, to the precious number ones, mate. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a positive place here. We're going to... We're not going to rag on each other, are we? We're not going to be like, well, how would you uh, pick that? If you, Yeah, I w- <laughs> absolutely I will. If you pick a bad one, I'm going to jump on you for mm, it. Okay. And I hope you would do the same for me. Yeah, well... I would like to support you in everything you do, so. No, I'm going to call you out and shit if I have to, Lonnie. <laughs> All right. Shall we get into it? Absolutely, mate. Let's start with your top 10. Your number 10, mate. Number 10. Okay. I feel nervous now. You're going to just jump in my throat, whatever I say. Okay. Number 10 on my list, Dylan, is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. I don't know this, so I can't jump down. Oh, good. It's a great choice is what I'm hearing. That's cool. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to tell me what it's about, Lonnie. Bit of an overview, if you will. Right. So, based off a novel, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, Always helpful. Yeah. It came out, I want to say, 2014. Yeah, we go. 2015, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, It's directed by Alfonso Gomez uh, Rayon. And Jesse Andrews wrote it based off his own novel. Um, it's a comedy drama coming of age thing. It's about teenagers, which is, you know, something I like that sort of coming of age story. Um, basically as a kid, (laughs) he's just an average kid. He's a bit creative. He makes films with his, with his best mate from school and stuff. His name's Greg, by the Mm. way. Um, so that, that kind of speaks to me. He's kind of similar to what I was growing up. Um, but he kind of wants to keep himself sort of free from being part of a group. He doesn't really have strong friendships and stuff. Again, kind of potentially similar to me, I guess, now, now, now I'm speaking it. Um, anyway, he finds out that a former friend of his, a sort of family friend, is dying of cancer or has got terminal cancer. And it's Jeez, kind of... starting off uh, rough. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that the, the family friends want him to, like, you know, try and cheer up and... and you know, make some sort of friendship because she needs help because she's obviously gone through stuff. And so then he decides to make a film to, 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 to cheer up basically. And then it's the journey from there on. Um, very good, very sad, but very funny as well. It's about, you know, growing up and whatnot. Okay. So, um, it's really well done. Spoke okay, to me so somehow. it's a solid dramedy at number 10. Yes, 
exactly. Good music. Um, Nick Offerman, John Bernthal, your, your boys are there. Oh, I like that. That's what, okay, I'm sold. That's my boy. Okay. He's one of the teachers from the school. Um, okay. Molly Shannon, Connie Britton. Good, good cast throughout. Um, Sounds it. Yeah. But I'd really get amongst it was my suggestion there, Dylan. Okay. All right. Well, I can appreciate that. Well, from what I've heard, solid number 10, Lonnie. Solid number 10. And like, I don't think, just, I don't think it's going to be on everyone's top 10 list, you know, but I'm, when I thought about it, I really liked it. So that's why it's there. Well, I can appreciate that, Lonnie. I'm glad you stuck to your guns. Thank you. And you picked a number 10 that you love. Yeah. What do you As did I. Okay. My number 10, Lonnie. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite directors. Yep. We got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, I'm wondering how much this this boy would turn up. He's on here once. Oh, this, this is it, is made, it? Ooh. I, I think it's my favourite Tarantino film. I do. Right. I, I find myself now, whenever I'm in the mood for some Tarantino, I feel like sticking on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a very nice hangout movie. Yeah. You know, Not I too eventful. No, in a lot of just scenes of Brad Pitt just driving around Hollywood. Yeah, and and, and Leo just, you know, going to work as an actor. Like, <laughs> half the movie is just him going to work on a TV pilot. It's his day. <laughs> a very, very simple movie. Obviously, mm. it uh, gets a bit crazy at the end. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, Tarantino's, you know, violent ways rear their beautiful head, as they do. Um, but I love it. I love it. And for those who don't know, it's basically, it's said 1969, I believe it is, tail mm -hmm. end of the 60s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Leo plays Rick Dalton, who used to star on like old TV shows in the, I think the 50s, roundabout, or early 60s. Mm -hmm. And he was a really famous TV actor. And he basically wanted to do a movie career after that. And it kind of just didn't take off for him. And now in 1969, he's basically just relegated to doing like guest spots on TV shows. And mm. he hangs around with his, he's really his only friend mm. and his stuntman and his gopher. <laughs> basically <laughs> chauffeurs him around because he can't drive himself around anymore because he's had too many DUIs. Mm. Uh, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, which I believe this is his first Oscar win for this movie. I think he, he might have won an Oscar as a producer, I believe, but his first acting. Oh, yeah. Acting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I must say, absolutely deserved. Mm. They both kill it in this movie. Some of the best acting I've ever seen in my life. They they really... Do you agree? They, they came together, didn't they? And they were like, let's make a great movie. And they did. For sure, for sure. And it's... You can tell Tarantino, he loves film. He loves old film too. Loves the golden age of Hollywood, and you can really tell the passion from this. You know, the set locations, the music choices that he picks, which he's always on point with, but mm -hmm. it's just another level in this film. And just beautiful camera work. And you know what? If this was going to be his last film, which he is considering, he mm. might do another film, but if this was his last, what a swan song, to be honest. Yeah. So I haven't seen um, everything that Tarantino's done, but I've seen a fair bit. And... It really does feel like this is everything coming together in one, isn't it? He's top of his game. Yeah. Just technically, story-wise, the performances he draws from these 
these actors who like they're always great but just another level here the main two just yeah good choice dylan absolutely mate and so, and sorry just sorry, really- sorry to interrupt this is one that i really like and respect but not in my top 10 yeah. list you know so you see where i'm coming from yeah yeah, you made the wrong choice. That's okay. Mm. That's all right. We don't want our list to be too similar, Lonnie, do we? Mm. Interesting. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'll also mention Margot Robbie is in this as well. She doesn't get as much to do as the other two. She kind of... Hers feels like dragging a bit. She's mm. literally just wandering around doing whatever. Mm. Um, but, the, you know, the real hook is that she's playing Sharon Tate, which Hollywood 1969, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not a good place. Sharon Tate to be hmm. so you're kind of always waiting for that penny to drop which surprisingly doesn't at the hmm. end of the film because hmm. you know Tarantino he's he's not afraid of changing history for the entertainment aspect of his film absolutely which I respect hmm. I love that and she does show her feet so that's also good if you're into that oh boy if you love if you love absolutely filthy feet this is Tarantino unleashed. There's That's a little it. something for everyone. Yeah. You know, Bob yep. Odenkirk, he's got you covered. <laughs> Idris, you're into this one, okay? <laughs> nah, good on him. Nah, good stuff. Yeah, good movie. Great movie. Thank you very yeah. much. But Lonnie, what's your number nine? Okay, well... Magic number nine for me may draw some complaints from the peanut gallery, but we'll see. (laughs) As will mine, I think. (laughs) My number nine, Dylan, is the Lego Batman movie. Why would that draw complaints? That's incredible. (laughs) Okay, that's good. I just, there's a lot of Batman movies out there, and some people wouldn't put this on the list. Lonnie, you want to know something? What? We're obviously both going to have at least one Batman movie on Obviously, here. yeah. I nearly considered putting this on for more. Really? Okay, you went a different route, did you? We'll I see. did. We'll I see. did. I, I, up, I went sure. for one that I love more, but, you know, I definitely appreciate this pick. Because for me, it is it's a love letter to Batman in general, and the, and the films especially, but it just takes the Batman mythos and just puts such a clever spin on it while still honouring what's come before it it's would have been a really delicate balance to strike in the writing of it and in whole creation of it. It just nails it. For mine. It does. It does. I completely agree. It's it's so full of love for Batman and his rogues gallery, because there's tons of villain references mm. in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic movie, Lonnie. It is good. And this is one applying your test of if someone comes up, hey, do you want to watch Batman movie? Yes. Definitely. Drop a hat. I'll definitely watch this with you. I don't need any anything further. No, fair enough, fair enough. And, uh, you know, I, I've got to say, Will Arnett as Batman, never knew I would love him as much as I do. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, as far as comedic Batman go, you got Batman Brave of the Bold, mm. you got Justice League action. I think this is the best comedic Batman you can have. Yeah. In some ways, it's like, what else would you do with it? This is just nails everything, you know? Agreed, mm. 100%. All right, thank you very much. Give me your number nine. <laughs> Let me take you back to the year of uh, 2000. 
2008, Lonnie. It's a wonderful year. It's a magical year. Uh, we love some Christina Ricci as well, don't we? Had to have her on the list. Lonnie. I was wondering if have... she was going to appear, <laughs> but now I know how and why. 2008 Speed Racer. Okay. Come on, Lonnie. Well, we've done a whole episode on this, so we can just move on to number eight, eh? Pretty much, and we will do another episode <laughs> in the future when we get to the Christina Chronicles. At least one, probably more, let's face it. To keep it short and to excuse myself, in a way, I don't need a film to be perfect. I just, I'm a moments man, Lonnie. If a film has enough moments that really connect with me okay. and that I love, I yeah. can excuse a lot of the rest of it. Sure. Spiral Racer in particular. You have to. But, mate, you know, just there's some scenes in this just really get me. Like the the last scene in that race mm. where he's heading towards the finish line and he's, mm. you know, just flashing back to everyone talking to him and he's changing the world with his race. Oh, my God. Just such an inspirational ending to the film. And he's and when he's talking to Rex Racer, his brother at the track, and he's saying that, you know, how good racing is and that you shouldn't let us change. You shouldn't let racing change you. Oh, it's just... Amazing. I love it Does so it much. Does it hit you in the feels, perhaps, Dylan? Is that what you're getting at? Of course. Of course. For sure. <laughs> and, mate, drop of a hat. I will watch this. Absolutely. How many times have you watched it now? I think it was like six or seven last time we mentioned it. When we first did it, yeah. I think probably 15. Jesus. I love it. You can. Oh, that's totally fine for you to love that movie. And you know what? Funny enough, Emil Hirsch is in this. Also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think I'm a Hirsch head. Yeah, I think I am. Doing. Yeah. I really like him. It's, it's funny. You put it number nine, did you? It's, it's low. Just say that. <laughs> low in my top ten favourite <laughs> movies ever. Come on. <laughs> That'd be rude. Uh, you'll be surprised one of one then, Dylan, if you think... <laughs> <laughs> no, come oh, on. See how we go. Well, it's nice that Christina gets a run too, given she's our favourite actor of all time. So, absolutely. And you know, the cast and crew on this—you got the Wachowskis directing. Mm -hmm. You got bloody Emil himself. You got Christina. You got John Goodman, Susan what? Sarandon. Yeah. Roger Allen. Come yeah. on. No. Yeah. Good cast. <laughs> I'll be keen to watch it again, Dylan. Put it that way. Oh, me too. Me too. Good stuff. All right. Number eight. This one, I think, is our biggest chance of having a, a crossover here. We'll see. Okay, I'm ready. My number eight is a little film called Whiplash. That does turn up later on my list. Oh, okay. Excellent. Very good. What can what we a say? fucking picture, Lonnie. Holy... <laughs> Mother of God. What a film. Damien Giselle, he just, he, he grabs you, doesn't let go. One of the tightest scripts out there, isn't it? Yeah, one of his earliest films, or at least one of his early big films. I think he had, had a film earlier that was kind of like a, uh, he's, he's one of his college projects that was extended out a bit, so kind of his first, but about, this is his first first, you know. I think it was also about jazz as well. Loves he loves his jazz. jazz doesn't he? he loves a bit of jazz. And um, speaking of, that is amazing in this. There's lots of mm -hmm. score that is incredible. Very intense as well at mm. times when it needs to be. 
Can you talk about moments, Dylan? This this film is a series of intense moments, isn't it? It just doesn't let up. And you know, J.K. Simmons again. I think first Oscar win for this yeah. one. And I don't think he's done a whole lot since, to be honest. But like, this is him. I think he's kind of like Leo. He got his Oscar and he's like, I think I'm good. I'll, I'll do what I want to do from now on, but I don't need to chase the big dog anymore. Yeah, but that, that's it. I think he was always telling me what to do. And it just all came together here. But yeah, you're right. He, you know, he did it. He nailed it. Yeah, amazing. Incredible film. And you know, who would have thought that a film about drumming mm. would be one of the most intense, amazingly written, amazingly acted films of all time, Monty. I know, and one that leaves you at the end of it as uncomfortable as you are <laughs> pretty much the whole time. Just that ending. You just don't know what's going to happen, do you? Also inspired, though, because, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, let's not forget Miles Teller. Mm. He's a tour de force in this as well. I, I think know. probably nearly his best work. Yeah. And yeah. It's just a perfect marriage of story, direction, soundtrack, music. And these performances that just complement each other and mix, I guess, so, so well, but in, in terms of for the film, but their styles of acting and everything, it just really comes together. And probably one of the most terrifying performances because he's so real, J.K. Simmons. Yes. I, I know people like this, you know, I've worked with him, I've been taught by them. It's just, yeah. 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 For those who don't know, it's basically about this this kid who wants to be uh, an incredible drummer, and J.K. Simmons is a jazz teacher at this like really prestigious jazz school mm. in New York, mm-hmm. and yeah, he just gets don't want to spoil too much because you should watch it, but it's his teaching methods are very intense, very questionable, and morally bad. We don't know. You kind of have to draw your own conclusion about that. Well, that's the the question comes down is like, how much do you want to succeed? What are you willing to do? Are you really willing to push everything? Yeah. Incredible film. Great film. I won't. I won't spoil. We probably won't dive in too much to it when we get to it on mine. But I won't spoil where it is on my list. But it is. uh, It is really high. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, we'll see Whiplash again soon. What do you have number eight, Dylan? Um, uh, the cult classic, The Room. <laughs> like, what's your real number eight? Come on. No, it's The Room. Come, no, Tommy no, no. This can't be on your... Uh, Lottie. Okay. Lonnie. <laughs> Do you want to explain to everyone why you're so uh, upset with this pick? I mean, as a cultural artifact, yeah, it's definitely up there as one of the most amazing things put together, but not, not on your top 10, Dylan. I'm sorry. Sorry, but this is my top 10 favorite movies. And I don't think I've had a funner time with a movie than watching the room. It is so bad. The performances are so horrible. The writing is so appalling that it all comes around to be fantastic. Okay, I mean, it's a real curio, and it's one. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> You're struggling. I've watched it. I, I own it. I wanted to watch it to understand the references and understand the people behind it and to get it. Yeah. And you're right. It it really is. It makes you think. It gets inside your brain. It does. It does. For those who don't know, Tommy Wiseau is the lead actor, the writer, the director, the producer, I think the editor as well. <laughs> this is basically his baby one, isn't it? He's one of the and, most strangest uh, men ever. ever. In existence. <laughs> ever, yes. To be around, yes. yes. He is he is a bizarre human being, and the film he makes is equally bizarre. It is nonsense. A lot of it makes no sense. The story is bland and cliche, but also the most unique thing I've ever seen in my life. It is incredible. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour and watch The Room. Maybe after having a couple of beers, because that definitely makes it fun <laughs> have you read the book at all or read the or seen the movie disaster artist i i have i love the disaster artist too i've watched that a number of times mm-hmm. it's not as good as the room i definitely prefer the room itself i prefer pure room pure tommy wiseau sure rather than an imitation of him sure, sure, sure. but yeah still a fantastic movie as well I mean, I, I get where you come from, Dylan, but giving in the experience of the room is quite singular. It's life-changing. Are, are you really giving this one of your top ten spots, though, to the room? Without, without question, Monty. When, okay. when I went to my DVD Blu-ray shelf and I saw the room, I was like, of course, that has to go in there. But man, right. what number? Deliberated for a while. I won't say how high it got at points. Well, I think I think a solid number eight is good for the room. You're a curious man, aren't you? <laughs> hmm. All right, Lonnie. What's your number seven, mate? Number seven, I've gone for a classic. The Graduate. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. That is very interesting. I, too, have a Dustin Hoffman film on here at some point. Well, there you go. So, go, let's go through yours, Lonnie. Have you seen The Graduate, Dylan? I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. I, have, I know I should. Mm-hmm. Don't get mad. Don't I'm, yell. I'm, I'm not going to get mad. I, I I, feel like you shouldn't get mad if someone hasn't seen something yet. You should just ex- try and tell them why they should watch should it be, and get around to it. You should be excited for me, Lonnie. I, yeah. I still ha- have yet to see The Graduate for the first time. Exactly, because if you, if you um, get annoyed at someone who hasn't seen something why are they going to watch it then you know they should you should try and give them a positive reason rather than a negative reason you know anyway yeah graduate great film i haven't seen it for a little while but it is one that came to mind when i started thinking about this and it's one i've watched a fair bit when i did watch it and it left an impression it's the main thing i saw for lunch today dylan our good friend julian in the podcast before hello I mentioned this. Shout out to the J-Man. I mentioned this activity and he got me straight away. Okay, what's, your, what's your list? Let's talk it through. <laughs> good stuff. Oh, good on you. Um, and he loved it all. It's good stuff. I'd like to get his at some point. And I mentioned yeah. The Graduate and he's like, that one, I haven't seen it, but I kind of feel like I've, I get it because of pop culture. That's, that's you know? one of your favorites, isn't it? I get it. I get it without <laughs> seeing it. 
You love doing that. How much did this hurt you when he said that? Right. Well, what it, what, it, what it said to me was that this has left an impression, and you know, the whole Mrs. Robinson as a as a topic, definitely. Even the scene of the the leg and the, you know, Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Is you know all that stuff just from being a pop culture. Pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did mention he he read the book as well though, which also helps getting it, I guess. Um, mm. Yeah, I just really like it, and it's like from the '60s, and so it's not, you know, people these days will watch stuff of our time. It's it's much easier to understand and to get, but it just it, it felt timeless when I watched it. it just felt really. Just got it to me. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't mind me a bit of Dustin, so I'll definitely have to watch it at some mm, point. Or okay. Thing. Recommend it. Okay. Well, I would hope so if it's in your top ten. <laughs> what do you got, number seven? I think you'll be more accepting of my number seven than my number eight, Lonnie. Okay. Little Miss Sunshine. Good choice. Great film. Incredible mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. One of my mum's favourites as well. And she she she's, a lot. She's never wrong when it comes to this sort of thing, is she? No. No, I don't think she is. Mm. I don't think she is. But I, I must admit, when she used to watch it when I was uh, you know, a, a wee lad, a little than I was now, mm. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't really like it that much. Okay. I wasn't really into it. Mm. I think it's one you have to be, you have to have gone through life a bit. Hmm. before you can really appreciate it. Because I got into it again when I was going through Paul Dano's catalogue of movies. And when I got up to it and watched it, I watched it for like the next three days over and over again. Is that right? No. I was just like, I know, I know. I just couldn't get enough. It was, a, it was amazing. And the cast, mate, come on. Paul Dano, Tony Collette, Steve Carell, Alan Arkin, Greg Kinnear. Even get a Brian Cranston cameo at one point, which does not go Australia, let me tell you. Dean Norris turns up too, doesn't he? Dean Norris? Yes, he does. That's right. He's the cop. Sure, yeah, He's yeah. the cop. When they get pulled <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great movie. Stacked it's cast, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic cast. And uh, it's a drama comedy, so it gets real at points. Let me, let me say that. It gets real at points. But basically the gist of it is that... Um, you know, the, the Hoover family and Olive, who's aiming to be Little Miss Sunshine, wants to compete in the beauty pageant of that name. Mm-hmm. And so they basically go on like a kind of a cross-country trip to get her down there. And, you know, just a series of uh, hilarious and uh, real moments on mm. the road to get to the pageant. And I must say, the climax of her performance in that beauty pageant it, it still gets me. I still laugh out loud every time <laughs> I see it. I'm not going to spoil it, but if you haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine, please get amongst it. It is a very inspiring movie and very funny. Yeah. I, I recommend that one too. I, I love that film. It's one that gets taught in screenwriting classes. Hope you know, Dylan. As it should. Yeah. As it should. It, it hits everything. Fantastic it does it in an in, interesting, innovative way. Just It's all, all the right spots. Good stuff. Absolutely. For sure. Right. All right, Lonnie. What's your six, mate? Number six on my list, Dylan, is a film I've mentioned here before, so I don't have to go into great detail. Uh, Unforgiven. Okay. A bit of Clint. Okay. The Clint Eastwood. The the Western to end all Westerns. Ooh. Bold claim. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's the one that he he got the script for, and then sat in it for ten years because he had to wait until he was old enough to play the character. Good stuff. Ballsy. I respect that. Yeah. Respect that commitment. Um, and also, it's the last western he has done. I mean, he's like ninety two or something now. He might do another. He's not slowing down. Um, <laughs> no. But, but pretty much, yeah. He said this. You know, summed up everything I wanted to say about about the genre. Um, it's, a re- it's a revenge film, but also about a man trying to to um, get past that phase of his life. It's just tremendous. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah, it is on my list to watch in the future. I'm definitely keen for it. Mm-hmm. So you think it's his his magnum opus, Lonnie? Would you say that? Yeah, as far as the westerns go, I mean, far as all these films go, to be honest, I've seen. I was going to say most. I've seen a fair few of them. He's done a lot over his ninety odd years. So um, <laughs> he's done a bit. Yeah. 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 No, I reckon it's up there, definitely. Okay, sweet. Grand Torino is pretty good. No, too. I'll get amongst that. Yeah, I was gonna say I do like Grand Torino as well. Clean little baby. I went through a phase of Clint Eastwood watching sort of while ago. That's all right. Just quick tangent. Have you seen The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Mm-hmm. Yes. Does it deserve all its accolades? It's pretty good. It, it's an interesting. It's a different sort of film. Very good. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, my number six. Is my Dustin Hoffman movie one? Okay, here we go. I'll give you one guess as to what it is. I don't think you'll get it. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Dustin Hoffman. Is it stranger than fiction? No, but that is a fantastic movie that was wrestled with to get onto the list. Didn't make it. Didn't quite make it. Okay. It did not. My number six is Hook. (laughs) Okay. All right. Hook, mate. One of my childhood favourites. It's interesting. It's one of those ones that we all liked as kids and then you get a bit older and people start to realise that it wasn't well received at the time, critically. Yeah, and I I don't know why. Mm. Steven Spielberg hates it. He thinks it's his worst film, which is uh, Steven... Have you seen Ready Player One? Come on, mate. What are you doing? No, Hook is 
fantastic. And it helps that I love Peter Pan as well. So the film's basically Peter Pan left Neverland and grew up hmm. pretty much. He's had kids, has a family. And then Captain Hook, the sly dog, played by Dustin Hoffman, amazingly, by the way, one of the funnest performances I've ever witnessed. Mm-hmm. He comes back and kidnaps his kids because he wants to fight Peter Pan again. He wants to kill him. Um, but Peter Pan, who's now Peter Panning, has forgotten all about how to be Peter Pan. So he has to go back to Neverland, has to find the boy that never grew up once again inside himself and face Hook and save his kids. Yeah, and this is, this is what, I haven't seen it for ages though, since I was a kid probably, so I think I need to watch it again. You should. You should, Lonnie. And uh, I should say, perfect casting of an adult boy that never grew up. Robin Williams, come yeah. on. Yeah. I think that's nearly the most perfect casting that's ever happened. Right? He'll be up there, sure. Robin Williams, a grown-up Peter Pan. Incredible performances all around, and pretty stacked cast as well. You know, yeah. Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Bob Hoskins, hello. Bobby H, Julia Roberts. Oh, mate, Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. Come on. And... Rufio, Rufio, one of the greatest characters ever. Rufio. Yeah. It's just fun. It's just fun, Lonnie. It's amazing. The score is incredible. You got John Williams just knocking it out of the fucking park once again. Greatest composer of all time. The sets in this, mm. unmatched. Unmatched set work, I would say. The, the scene that sticks out to me is. Obviously, when they're having the food fight. Oh, the imaginary food fight. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Just wonderful. Yeah. And this, this Peter Pan was the one you used to dress up, didn't you, as a kid? And watch it? Yeah. Mate, yeah, mate. yeah. Yeah. And they're making a like a reboot, aren't they? Some sort of Disney Disney Plus. Not okay. No. Not, not, not okay. Not going to dress up for don't that one? They, don't they dare touch Peter Pan. He's fine. He's perfect. Yeah, the animated film, we've had Hook. Don't do anything after that. You've already tried multiple times. I don't mm. want any more. <laughs> well, yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it too, that they didn't just re- try to recreate Peter Pan. They went a different route with the adult Peter Pan. Like that's, yes. that's kind of more interesting in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. It's mm. a very fascinating premise to mm. follow him when he's left Neverland and grown up. Yeah, for sure. I love it. I watch it so much as a kid. It's also one of my favourite video games on the Sega Mega Drive. Wow. Hook. Mate, I was all about Hook. I was a Hookhead as well. Come on. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I definitely love... a solid. Yeah, I love this hearing hearing things you love, Dylan. This is awesome. You know? Okay. Good to hear. Mm. No, fantastic. Get amongst it if you haven't watched it. If you have watched it and haven't watched it for a while, watch it again. You'll be flooded with nostalgia. Great film. Cool. Top five, Lonnie. Top five. Top five. Okay. For me, Dylan, number five is a film called Moonrise Kingdom. I think you've mentioned this before. I think I probably have. It's a Wes Anderson joint. Um, Yeah, I think so, yeah. I like like most of his films, to be honest. I like all of them, actually. Um... And it was a toss-up between this and Grand Budapest Hotel. 
which is pretty fantastic. In some ways, Dylan, I think Grand Budapest Hotel might be a bit better as a film. But it's not but it's not your favourite. Not my favourite. This one is just so sweet. It's about two little kids who are fall in love and trying to escape their families. It's just it's just fascinating. It's just so great to see little kids in love and they're they're fucked up families and Jesus. they're just trying to be be there together. It's just so sweet. I just love it. It's really well okay. done. Okay. Um, Any notable cast? Mate, they're all stacked his cast. He he has a huge um basically You've got a big pool. Yeah. People he recurring actors who've got uh, well, to be honest, this is the last great performance of Bruce Willis, I should say. <laughs> oh rough. <laughs> that is harsh, but I'm sure fair. <laughs> I, obviously, I think it was before he became too sick, and obviously, Tenetti's been oh, yeah, sick over the last. There was there was know. a point before that where he stopped caring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's great. Um, we've got uh, Francis McDormand, Bill Murray, uh, Ed awesome. Norton, of all people. Oh, it's in there. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, a whole bunch of others, but I, I think it's just the sweet love story is what I what really connects to me. They just okay. There's some love, Dylan. That's and you know what? That's a precious thing, Lonnie. You can't take that for granted in this world. It's true. Is your number five just as good? I mean, I think so, (laughs) of course. (laughs) But uh, a bit of a departure. This is our first foray into animation on my list. Oh, okay. And it's also my Batman film of the list. Okay. Here we go. Which one are we talking about? We have got here The Dark Knight Returns Deluxe Edition. Right. So those two together. I was if if I had to guess till I was gonna say Mark's Mask of the Phantasm, but good choice. I, I like Mask of the Phantasm. It's I never really connected with it too much. Okay, alright. To be honest. I don't appreciate it as much as other Batman fans. I love the Dark Knight Returns Deluxe Edition, though. Sure, for sure. Obviously, it's it's parts one and two of the Dark Knight Returns smashed together and edited together in one film. Uh, so, basically makes it as long as any Nolan Batman film. I think it's clocks in at like two hours 40 or two hours and a half. And for those who don't know, one of the most famous Batman stories of all, to- of all time. It's about Batman when he's old and retired and then... Through a series of events, gets drawn back into the crime-fighting world, much to the chagrin of his former Rose Gallery and the government. Mm-hmm. And you get everything here. You got him revisiting old rivalries with Two Face and Joker. You got him fighting new foes in the Mutant Leader, as well. Kind of a precursor to Bane in many mm-hmm. ways. Just mm-hmm. this big, unstoppable force that he just he can't beat him outright with brutality. Mm-hmm. So he has to use his head. And that's pretty much the climax of uh, part one. And then in the second part, you got Joker coming back. And uh, forget who um, the actor's name is, but it's Ben Linus from Lost, which is such an inspired choice right. for playing the Joker. And, of course, probably the most famous thing that happens in this movie in the book, you got Batman vs Superman is the climax of part two. And the, the, the film that Zack Snyder did is heavily inspired by what happens in this storyline, isn't it? 
Definitely, definitely. The fighting, at least. Yeah, but it's done way better here. Obviously, the writing, Frank Miller at the top of his game. Mm. You can't really touch him in the comic genre at that point. It's just fantastic. It's a it's a really good look and deconstruction of Batman and, and comics at the time, mm. to be honest. He really, he basically made Batman into what he is today. He brought him back into being dark and gritty and mm. kind of having trouble leaving that shadow, to be honest. Yeah. I've seen this one. I but, I saw it as two different films, though. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it all in one go. Mm-hmm. I liked it, though. So you, you liked it? Yeah. That's good. Um, I believe Sinead bought it for me, and then we watched it together. She might have fallen asleep, but I watched it all. So. Unacceptable, Sinead. Excuse you. I mean. How could you fall asleep? I'm not sure if she did, but she, she might have. So you may as well get up, though, yeah. Oh, well. Very good and stuff. Also, and, oh, oh, you go first. I've got a little tidbit, but you go well, first. Well, I was just going to say, we got a new Robin, female Robin, mm. Carrie Kelly, mm-hmm. one of the most beloved Robins of all time. And has she made it into the main universe at all, or has she sort of kept to this storyline? I'm not too sure. I think she's pretty much only in this storyline. Mm. He's done some comics still in this universe sure, that sure. she's still in, but I think she's mainly stuck to this elsewhere, mm. sorry for what I'm aware of. But... Played by Ariel Winter in the movie. Oh, and good. This Batman voice, Lonnie, I, th- I nearly want to say it's it's my favourite, even right. over Kevin Conroy. Right. Peter Weller, Robocop himself mm. playing old Batman is choice. incredible. Every, mm. every word out of his mouth is so cool. It's so <laughs> awesome. It's just amazing. And... <laughs> His voice was made for delivering Frank Miller dialogue. It's mm. incredible. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? For an animated film, the score is pretty banging too. Yeah. Well, my tidbit, Dylan. For... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, t- no, keep going. My tidbit was that this film was another one that was shown to me in a university um, screenwriting class. So there you go. In what way? Just for screenwriting? I think it was an example of writing dialogue. And the scene I remember was one of the early scenes where they're talking um, with old Bruce and old Commissioner Gordon having a chat. Commissioner Gordon, yeah. yeah. Having a drink at the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that. It's a good scene. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. And you mash them both together, parts one and two. You got as good a Batman movie as you're ever going to I'm not sure what I'm going to do here first. Till I'm going to watch Hook and we're going to watch these. I don't know. <laughs> The room, speed racer, (laughs) just marathon them all. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) Go on. Well, it's a good start to the top five, Lonnie. What's your number four? Another one that I've mentioned before on this podcast. Have to go into great detail. Uh, Rear window. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jimmy Stewart, Grace Kelly, Mister Hitchcock. What more do you want? Classic combo, right? Yeah. And you know the premise? Yeah, is it basically he is watching people from his window, his neighbours? Yeah, he so sees he's, some stuff. he's broken his leg. It's summer in New York, so he's looking out his window a lot. And he starts to, to think that perhaps one of his neighbours has killed their wife. I'll be honest, I haven't seen this, but I know the exact structure from that Simpsons episode <laughs> where Bart's... <laughs> Where Bart broke his leg and spies on Ned. 
There's actually something I want to do at some point in the future when we get a bit of time up our sleeves. Um, this has inspired other stories like that, for example, like The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also there's like a remake with Christopher Reeve um, after he had his accident, which would be fun to watch. Oh, um, okay. And there's like Disturbia, the, the Shia LaBeouf film. Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen that. That's good. It's all the same concept. Yeah. yeah um, okay. I mean, I have to think that Rewindow is the best, but best in original. Um, that'd be cool one day to watch them all and sort of you know, watch all the Rewindow clones. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. He's really good. And without spoiling too much, Dylan, he's Jimmy Stewart, his character. He's a bit conflicted. He's got this beautiful girlfriend, but he's not sure if he wants to settle down. And it's like, dude, when your girlfriend's Grace Kelly, I think you settle down, <laughs> all right? Okay. That's a lot of the time in films, isn't it? If they're having <laughs> commitment issues with like the most beautiful women you've ever seen, it's like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. She's a literal princess. Come on. <laughs> okay. Me and Lazarus being Grace Kelly. Okay. Mm. All right. Um, Good on him. And it's great. You would get behind the scenes. You look at it's the whole. The whole set was created in a soundstage, this whole New York set. And apparently very hot because all the lights used to, to light it up. Um, but he obviously and he sees his, his neighbour who's the villain, who's the who's the potential killer, but he also sees other people, he follows their journeys, and it, it speaks to something in us. I think there's all there's a bit of voyeur in everybody, you know. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. We've all got a morbid curiosity to be honest. Definitely. And our neighbours or just, you know, when you're out and about, just people watching and just watching the world go by. Um, we all have a good rubber neck. We all, got, all have a good sticky beak at the yeah, end of the day. Definitely oh, yeah. do. So, I, yeah, can't recommend enough, Dylan. Good stuff. Okay. All right. That's definitely on my list because you have mentioned before. So, we'll get amongst that one day. Please do. All right, Lonnie. Lonnie, my number four. Another animated movie. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. The first film you saw at the cinema, if I'm not, not mistaken. Absolutely. That's, that's It's a lot of nostalgia with this one. It is the <laughs> first movie I remember seeing ever at the movies. And for it being, I think it was 96 that it came out. Mm-hmm. That's That was pretty young. That was like me when I was two or so, roughly. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. But just fantastic. It's, you know, about <laughs> The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo. And basically, he's kept up in the bell tower because uh, his abusive kind of adopted father, mm. Judge Claude Frollo, keeps him up there. And just, yeah, pure evil <laughs> is Frollo. Mm. Probably the worst, like, as in most evil Disney animated villain ever. He gets like, dark. He is just, yeah. He is cruelty incarnate. And, and, uh, Esmeralda, one of the gypsy ladies in this, one of the main characters who Quasimodo falls for at one point, um, played by Demi Moore, I believe. Mm, in this. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's some, uh, you know, he's some uh, insatiable desire towards her, which uh, rears its ugly head in the film. Isn't he it, basically. Isn't it, sorry, isn't it funny, Dylan, yeah. that the most evil Disney character in, in some ways is the man of God, isn't that? Interesting they did that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's very good. And uh, his villain song hmm. is probably the best villain song of all time, Hellfire. Speaking of songs, there are so many incredible ones in this film. I think it's probably the best musically. 
but they really? all been. Okay. Except for the Gargoyle song, that is pure filth. And <laughs> the guy... <laughs> The Gargoyles are the reason it's probably not my number one film because they do take away a lot of the um, serious moments from the film, just jumping in with unnecessary humor. Um, but to be honest, I still do have a soft spot for the Jason Alexander one because I, I like George Constanza. And that's basically gonna, what it is, Gargoyle George. I was going to say, is the Jason not knock this by three spots? Kind of. <laughs> no. He's good. The other two, I yeah, I do not like. Right. But no, nah, fantastic film, and they really nailed the character design of Quasimodo hmm. because you have to make him grotesque because that's what he is. It's his character, but you can't make him too grotesque or else it turns off the audience. I think they really nailed that line between sympathetic and hmm. yeah, no, good so, stuff. Amazing movie. Good choice. I should have known that was coming. You mentioned it a few times. Good on you. You guessed one of them. <laughs> we'll get to it soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we still up there, isn't it? Um, yeah. Number three. We're getting the pointy in now, aren't we, Dylan? The bronze medals, mate. Who we got? On my list, I've got Before Sunset. Now, I think I might have mentioned this before on the podcast. Maybe not. Maybe just chatting. Maybe not at all. Who knows? I think it does sound familiar, I believe. Yeah, what's it about? It's Richard Linklater. It's the second mm. in a trilogy of his that he made with Ethan yeah, Hawke okay. and yeah, Julie Delpy. Yeah. Yep. Um, so in the first film, these two young people are backpacking around Europe and they decide to jump off a train together and, and explore a city for the day slash night. And it's just a hangout, conversational film, falling in love film, let's say it. I'm a romantic, Dylan, okay. <laughs> you are, aren't you? Well, good on you, though. Um, and then that's the first film. And this is the second film. It's set nine years later, and it's came out nine years later, too. So it's you know, keeping in real time. Um, and it's, you know, without spoiling anything, it's these two reconnecting after a period of absence. And it's it's just beautiful. It's just, I think it's something they never thought would happen, these characters, that they have this perfect night. And now they're getting to repeat it almost, and they're getting a second chance at love after nine years of pain, essentially in life. Jeez. And I like it because they're 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 a bit older and wiser than they were, but they're still kind of those same people who fell in love all those years ago. Um, just very very good. Just love it. This is one I would, I would definitely I could watch it tonight. I might watch it tonight. Who knows? Um, uh, you got to get through uh, Speed Racer, The Room, Hook, and Dark Knight Returns first, mate. You got a big night ahead. Settle down. Um, it's also not too long either. It's it's plays out in real time um, because it's ah, sure. so they're like maybe eighty minutes, something eighty five minutes. Like it's pretty good. Oh, air and change. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's very well done, very well written, well acted, well shot, and you're just there with them. And there is a sequel as well. And they all work together really well, so it's not like one of those ones where it's like a big dip <laughs> anywhere in the series. But it's my favourite sure. for sure. Yeah. They might come back to do another one. I think it's been nine ish years, really? so we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I have got that on my list of movies to watch, Lonnie, if you'd be happy. That whole trilogy. Thank you very much. I will definitely get amongst at one point. 
My number three, Lonnie. You guessed it when we were talking offline, you cheeky bugger. You got me. <laughs> Why don't you tell everyone what my number three is? Your number three, Dylan, is a little film called That Darn Catch. No, you've been, you've been joking for a while. Don't you dare do this to me. Don't you do this. No. Uh, no. In actual fact, I think it's the Big Lebowski. Oh, yes it is. Yes it is. Yeah, fair enough. I watch this movie all the time. All the time. I never get sick of it. Mm-hmm. It is probably, I really want to think, the funniest movie. I've ever seen. Really? John Goodman, his best performance is in this movie. I mean, it's a crowded field, but yeah, sure. I'll take it. It's my favourite. It's my favourite Jeff Bridges performance. The dude, come on, one of the most (laughs) iconic characters in cinema history. He's inspired his own lifestyle. That's how iconic he is. It's true. And there are are film festivals and festivals about this this film. For a film that is... A cult classic, I guess that's what happens, but it's not like it's, you know, particularly, it's not like it's that nerdy, no sci-fi element or fantasy element. It's just like a comedy film to inspire such fervor. It's quite interesting. It's just just a series of weird events, the dude getting caught up in some crazy, crazy times. Yep. Uh, Basically, the crux of it is that uh, he gets his carpet ruined, (laughs) someone pisses on his rug. Because they're trying to look for a different guy with his name, mm. different Lebowski. So they confuse him with him. And it just sets off this this maddening set of events where he, he just wants his rug back. The dude just wants his rug back, <laughs> won't he? Fantastic movie. And again, our boy, John Turturro in this. Mm-hmm. One of his, one of, if not his most famous character, the Jesus in this. And also, Steve Buscemi in a very underrated performance mm. of his. Very understated as well. Mm. But for the character of Donnie in this, it works. He's just like basically a, a doormat. <laughs> <laughs> but really ends up being the heart of the film in a lot of ways at the end. Yeah. Well, they, those Cullen and, boys can make a film, can't they? Oh, mate. The writing too. Hmm. They've they've never been bad at it, have they? Really? I'm I'm upset I couldn't find a spot for them in here, to be honest. But really, I, I love them. See, this is the only Cohen movie I've really seen. I've seen Burn After Reading as well, but I just mm. I don't want to go see other Cohen movies because I know they're not going to be as good as this. I know <laughs> I'm not going to love them as much as know. the Big Lebowski. Fargo's pretty good, man. I know people say that, but I just I don't see myself watching Fargo a million times like I've seen The Big Lebowski. No country for old men. Again, I don't see myself watching it as many mm. times. Well, give it a go. I will. I will. Oh, it is on my list. Yeah, good on but yeah, probably one of the most quotable movies of all time. Also, your boy Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. Very great performance in yeah in this as well. I couldn't find a spot for him either. I feel bad. Only ten. Oh, oh well. But no, amazing movie. If you've seen it, watch it again because it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, watch it because it's incredible. Fantastic movie. Flawless. Flawless. Good stuff. One number two, Dylan, is one you've seen. You told me you saw it. 
I haven't seen it for a while, and kind of in the same vein of what you were just saying, I don't want to watch it too often because I like it so much. I don't want it to be to be get bad in my view or something. You know, I just want to savor it. Right. Little film called Five Hundred Days of Summer. <laughs> Hello. I was surprised. I I was worried this wasn't going to make the list because you used to talk about it a lot. I was into good. it as as a as a youth. I mentioned it to Julian today at lunchtime as I went through my lists, and he said, "Yeah, as long as you don't think it's a rom com." I was like, "Yeah, it's a cautionary tale in many ways, isn't it? There's rom com <laughs> yeah. elements, but that's not how you yeah. should live your life: falling in love with women and, no. and idolizing them and making them into a perfect image because they're a real person most of the time." Exactly. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, got them, women, love them. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's very good. It's it's interesting because you know, I mentioned you know, through here we've got lots of um, sort of romantic movies you might say, but um, yeah. coming of age films are something I really respond to. And usually, the coming of age film is someone who's in their teens because they're on that precipice of becoming an adult. This guy's coming of age, the Tom, um, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but he's a bit older, but he still has some learning to do, doesn't he, in his life? Some of us bloom at different times in our lives, Lonnie. Mm. To I think this film was quite, quite you know, well known back in the day. It's probably fallen a little bit of out of the public consciousness these days and pop culture sort of understanding. Yeah, pro- probably doesn't have as much staying power as it should. Mm. Um, and uh, who plays the um the female lead in this, Lonnie? Who who's that? Um, if memory serves, I think it's um. How do you say it again? Zoe, Zoe Deschanel. Um, you're obsessed. You used to have a picture of her framed, everyone, okay. when she was in school. It was, it was a gift given to me. It'd be rude and not to put it on. You didn't get rid of it. It'd be rude not to have it on display. That would be spit in the face of Richard who gave it to me, wouldn't it? The picture's still around somewhere at home, are we? And the fact that it's not up is a travesty, might I say. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, no, she's good. And she she plays the role much more... It's more layers to performance than you might think at first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. I love Joseph. One of the good ones. Oh, of course. He's, he's always very good in everything he's mm. in, I think. Yes, and he picks good roles too. He doesn't. He is. You know, I think he's he's a good one. One of the good ones. Um, yes, I'm kind of sad his um his Sandman movie fell through because I would have been interested to see his performance. Would he have been the titular Sandman? Yeah, he's going to be Morpheus. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's a bit of a sliding doors moment for pop culture, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Mm. But the show that's on Netflix now is a uh, hundred times better than that would have been. So there you go. We're all good. Mm. Yeah, so there we go. That, that's my, I haven't seen it for a while. I love it, but it's almost like I love it so much I don't want to ruin it by watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very well, yeah, good, good script, enough. witty, does some things with the format of, of film and there's some fantasy sequences. It's just chef's kiss. A very quirky film, as uh, a lot of a lot of Zoe's films tend to be. Mm. She just uh, radiates that energy <laughs> in a good way. Them, them, them dark-haired girls, Dylan. What can I say? <laughs> you love them. You can't get enough. 
Right, Lang. My number two. We've already talked about it. Oh, okay. Nice. Got to number two, mate. Got number, to number two. two. Yep. We already went through it, but again, people, watch it. It's incredible. Amazing performances. Amazing score. Incredible film. Perfect. Good work. Um, one of one, Dylan. You probably worked out what it is by process of elimination. We've done a whole podcast on it. My film is Paddington 2. Wow. Your favourite film of all time is Paddington 2. That is... That is interesting. That is interesting. Why so, Lonnie? I mean, I refer to my early comments on our earlier podcast. Sure. Sure. Great. Just perfect. Everything works. All comes together. No, no fat in that script. No. The emotions. He goes to prison. Oh, flying. <laughs> he does. <laughs> you say it like that. Yes. He does go to prison. Yes, he does. I um. There's a there's a good joke about this. Someone on on Twitter or on the podcast that we once, and they were like, "Okay, it's first day of the writers room for the Paddington Two. Like, okay, been greenlit a sequel. Everyone likes the first one. They love the family fun adventure story about this little bear." What should we do for number two? And someone rushes into the room. We have to take down the prison industrial complex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, So you agree. um, I'm guessing you want to put a number you'll just say your number one and then we'll just get out of here, eh? Look, I can appreciate... It's it's one of those films. Like, I can appreciate that it's on other people's top ten lists. It's just... It's not my favourite, personally. Okay. I'm, been... a, I'm a Winnie the Pooh man rather than a Paddington man. Let okay. me tell you. Just kick me then, hey? Just <laughs> dack me, kick me, push That's me good. over in the dirt. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, but you know, needless to say, the animation for Paddington too, as well, hmm. flawless. Top notch. No, I think so. It's up there with the best of the best in the industry. And I suppose when that's really the only visual effect you have to do, you have a lot of time to perfect it. Yeah, you get it right. And also, hmm. also, Hugh Grant in this. What a revelation, right? He's, he, where's he been hiding that, you know? <laughs> uh, between this and The Gentleman, which also very nearly made my top ten. Wow. Uh, apparently, Hugh Grant's a, a fantastic actor. Who knew, right? Yeah. Why did he wait so long to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, good stuff. Yeah, I like Paddington One. I love, and I don't think it's wrong. It's just the the villain is so much better in Number Two. Hugh Grant's villain is yeah, just and, and, no Carl Gibbons hit or miss in that, but yeah, oh, Hugh Grant in this amazing. Yeah. We wait with bated breath for Number Three. Different director. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I'm I'm cautious, but hmm. we'll see how we go. Lonnie, my number one. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before. Goodfellas. There it is. Goodfellas. Marty Scorsese makes his first appearance of the day. Come on. What what is there to say? It's a, it's a perfect film. It really is. is. It? At the peak of his powers, wasn't he, back then? Absolutely. And it's the, the genre he's known most well for, the gangster genre. Hmm. The late, the late, great... Ray Liotta, top of his game in this, mm-hmm. as Henry Hill. 
Joe Joe Pesci, mate. Unmatched in this film. Robert De Niro doing some of his best as well. All the side characters in this are so fun and so lovable, even though they're all the worst humans you yeah. could possibly yeah. be. It's true. Marty has that way of just making you love and relate to evil people, really, at the end of the day. Mm. The writing's fantastic. A lot of it um, can be attributed to him just letting people go loose when they're in scenes as well. <laughs> like, how improv is the funny how scene? I think that's pretty much all improv, right? Mm. I think Joe Pesci improv because he said he'd met someone like that or something, right, I maybe. believe. Okay, they ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, some of the most iconic scenes in cinema history. Mm. Absolutely perfect film. I've watched it so many times. I never get sick of it. I look forward to it every time as much as I did the second time I watched it because I didn't know how much I was going to love it the first time. <laughs> yeah, good. It speaks you, doesn't it? It, it, it has does. a place in your heart. It does, Lonnie. It does. Mm. As do all these films. Lonnie, it's our top tens. Pretty good Quite list, actually. List. Not many to, 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 to be worried about. All winkers, no stinkers, as they say. Pretty much. Not not a not a stinker in the bunch. Not a one. <laughs> no, good on you. And your 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 way of categorizing them I think is pretty good. I think I like it that way. Okay. Alright, well I can appreciate that. Appreciate that. Did you want to come back and do this some other time? Some more top ten lists. I reckon we could do it again. Oh, man, I had a tremendous amount of fun doing this. Mm -hmm. I think we could at some point. Yeah. Why not, Lonnie? Let's do it. You can pick the topic next time. Okay. okay. I will. Okay. okay. You can. <laughs> um, did you have a get amongst it, or is it just the list you've given us already? Basically, that yeah. whole list. That's right? that. That is a smorgasbord of get amongst it, to be yeah. honest. Uh, really, do recommend if you haven't seen these films, if you have seen them, get in touch. Let us know what do you reckon. What's your top ten list? You know, oh, I'd love to know. I'm always one to get film recommendations. I would love mm. that. Mm -hmm. You can let us know on our socials: Insta, Facey, Twitter. Love to hear your thoughts. Um, anything else we talking about at the end? Mark the man gives us a theme song. Mark, Mark the man, absolute legend. Best theme song of all time. Mm -hmm. It's in my top ten for sure. <laughs> what? Well, that's the next topic, actually, Dylan. Top ten podcast theme songs. So, oh well, that's number one. That's spoiler alert. Right? Done. All right. Um, Easy. Uh, good stuff. Good topic. Thanks for that. Um, I had a great time talking right. about some of the best movies of all time. For sure. I guess, Dylan. But you know what? Yeah. You go. You go. No, you. I want to hear it from you first. All right. I'll go first then. All right. I miss you, man. Miss you, man. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 